Welcome. First of all, I want to say it's been some 20 years since I had a plan to end my life. It was because of sadness. It was because of depression. It was because nobody took the time to tell me that they cared because I wasn't considered the right type of person. Nobody took the time to say, you can do it, man, let me help you. Nobody took the time just to be a human being and care for me. The reason I'm telling you this is because you have an opportunity today. You have an opportunity during this season just to put your hands on somebody and tell them that you are there for them and mean it. You have an opportunity today to tell somebody what they mean, not only to you, but to their families and to the surrounding communities. You have an opportunity today to make an impact on somebody's life. I want to say to the Sergeant Major who told me that he believed in me, I have spent some 25 years repaying that favor and paying it forward because of the time he took with me, a bad soldier, a menace to the unit, somebody who, had, who, who they thought had no hope and no promise. He took the time treated me like an adult in front of my family, treated me like a human being in front of my kids. You have an opportunity today to do that for somebody. Get your ego out of it. Get your rank out of the way. Get your social standing out of your mind and put your hands on somebody today and tell them that you love them. Tell them that they're worthy. Tell them that you'll be there for them, even if you don't have the time to be there for them. Make a difference in somebody's life today. God bless you. And may God keep you. Because everybody deserves love, attention, and even some nurturing. This podcast is brought to you by Acuity Benefit Consulting. Retaining military veteran talent is critical to your bottom line. So give them a specialized resource for the benefit that they value most, VA Disability Compensation. Acuity provides them with an in-depth, one-on-one educational session on VA disability benefits curated to your veterans' needs. For more information, contact Navy veteran Ray Hun at acuitybenefitconsulting.com. Again, that is www.acuitybenefitconsulting.com. Welcome. The, you know, not them, not Robin Williams. He's funny. He's a well-known actor. He, he would never kill himself. He's, he's hilarious. Oh, Twitch, he, he dances, he's got a DJ, he's really good, he's always energetic, he's always smiling. That's right, that's, that's easier, because mm-hmm. I mean, if I ask you and you give me an answer that I really don't want to hear, then it's mm-hmm. going to require responsibility from me. How do you want to do it, because it's your story? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you know, my story begins at 10, uh, honestly, because for then, even living in dysfunction and living in poverty, I, you know, I was happy. Uh, and then uh, the molestation happened at 10, of course. And then because of the molestation, I go into this hole and go into this shell uh, and, and nobody could figure it out. But, you know, as I said before, my mom had enough problems and I was aware enough to not uh, put that on her plate. Uh, she was a single mom, three kids. I mean, literally, 
worked all day. She put bars on the house so we couldn't get out um, and nobody could come in, right? And so at 10 years old, being molested, uh, sent a pretty smart kid into special education because I just kind of stopped talking and didn't trust anybody. Um, then you go from ninth special education in eighth grade, failed the ninth, 10th. Uh, and just when I was getting back on my feet, you get in the 12th grade and I failed 12th grade. So had to go to summer school to graduate. Um, and then, um, cause I got this huge body. Um, I mean, humongous. I mean, it's, <laughs> it intimidates obviously a lot of folks, six, five, 265 pounds, uh, really the body of a uh, NFL player or NBA player. Uh, and so uh, it causes uh, a, a lot of intimidation, but I got to go to college because of it. Um, not that I had the grades to go, but, you know, uh, 20, 30 years ago, a big guy will put you in college, put you in remedial classes. So went well, to I college. Quick, I have a yeah. quick question. Sorry. Um, and I'm just curious as a 10 year old, as a 10 year old, did you know what had, what happened? And did you know that it was wrong or was it just a thing that just didn't feel right, but you didn't know? No, I, I, I was, man, I tell you, I don't, I, I remember everything and, and I can't believe I was that aware, uh, at 10. Um, but like I said, I was a pretty smart kid. Uh, I was playing chess at like eight years old, beating grown men. So I was always kind of a smart kid. So I knew exactly what was going on. Uh, but in that moment, I mean, you just, this is a grown man. So you're like terrified. He's an authority figure uh, in the church. And so he's a grown person. So it's like, you know, what the heck is going on? Um, and, you know, looking back, you know, just, he had groomed me, you know, the whole time, very nice. And you know, buying me food and candy and, you know, little secrets turned into that big secret. Uh, and I knew it was wrong. I wanted to scream and go tell my mom. But I just, I just knew at that moment, you know, my mom had so much going on. I mean, yeah, I, I know now, but then I still could see the pain. I mean, she moved us out of the ghetto into the suburbs where she was making $435 a month. Her rent was three thirty-five. <laughs> I mean, you know, I I know that now, but back then I just knew she used to come in from work, uh, and we would have these pork chops in the stove and roaches. I mean, litter with roaches. I mean, she didn't blink. She she swiped the roaches off of them and ate it. Uh, and so I was like, you know, looking at that, I was like, you know, something ain't right about that, right? But and so I could tell the pain. I could tell, you know, the missing of uh, how she even kind of talked to us, how she whipped. You could see the frustration. So anyway, I didn't want to add, add it to that. And so I go to college. I'm a star athlete, uh, but I'm drinking myself to sleep at night. Anybody who looked at me for more than three seconds, I mean, honestly, I beat the hell out of them. I mean, just because I didn't know whether I was a man or a woman. Um, I grew up with women, then you're being molested, and you know, you don't know why people are looking at you. So um just fighting everywhere. And so um after a couple of years, it came to a head. I went into a party on campus, uh, and these guys jumped me, beat me in a shovel, shot me in the back. Um, almost lost my life that night. Um and then uh after that, after healing. I go back on campus because I say, you know, I need to do right. I need to start my life. And everything relatively was going pretty good um, for the year. And then this guy comes back on campus and I'm in panic mode. Uh, again, went to the coach, um, tell him what was going on. He said, you're being paranoid, so on and so forth. Kind of dismissed me. Uh, and so... I decided to take matters into my own hand. And you go to, I went to my friends. Um, and of course, um, you go to those type of friends. <laughs> in my in my time, you know, it's gonna be a bad result. So one guy gave me a uh, sawed off shotgun, the other guy gave me a 45 uh, pistol. 
and they told me to eliminate this kid because that's what men do, right? And so I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill this kid. Um, and as as always, you got somebody in the wilderness. Um, one guy respected. Uh, he said, if you do that, you're gonna let your mom down, right? Um, I'm sorry. He said you're gonna let your mom down, right? So. Thank God for him and the mention of my mom. I, I didn't kill that kid that night. Uh, I, I beat him pretty bad, got expelled from school and um, went to Louisiana. Um, girlfriend got pregnant. So I decided it was time for me to grow up. So I decided to come in the military. Uh, the military is an absolutely great place. Right? Uh, finished basic training. Uh, went to my unit and I mean, all hell broke loose. You're talking about 1991 and 1992, uh, before 92 end, I get two article 15s, chapter paperwork in hand. And that's when I decided that, you know, I'm a horrible father, um, either worse husband, I'm a drunk, can't accomplish anything. So I decided, you know, I, I'd just be better off dead. Um, uh, sounds like sounds like a great plan to me. Uh, so these kids and this woman would have somebody who is worthy of them. And uh, so fortunate for me uh, in the wilderness, again, there was one guy who decided uh, that he was going to come and talk to me and, you know, told me he believed in me. And he gave me a, he gave me an opportunity to do something with my life. And thankfully, Thank God I respected him enough uh, to kind of take him up on that challenge or this obviously wouldn't be happening. So I spend my life um, every day, all day, uh, trying to find people like me. And how I do that is through the internet. Um, I can tell you as a senior leader and as a chaplain, as a colonel, people are not happy with that. <laughs> they are absolutely not happy with that. And I, I don't want to be disrespectful. I don't want to be insubordinate. I don't want anybody to think I'm arrogant or anything. I don't care. I don't care because at the end of the day, if we're in the business of saving lives, then I got to do some unorthodox stuff that's going to piss some people off. And I've been an expert at it uh, because uh, those wonderful people who don't want me to do this are not in the trenches of saving people's lives. And uh, I believe it's my job. I believe it's my calling. I believe it's why I'm here on earth. So I think, I think one of the biggest things that chaplains, especially chaplains, and chaplains aren't the only ones, but especially chaplains um, struggle with, I think is one, their own, each person's own set of morals plus religious belief, whatever that system is. And then being told by your boss, you will do this, you need to do that. How, how do you stay true to who you are and keep your job? Well, uh -oh. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think the, the balancing act is super nuanced. Um, and I, I think chaplains definitely can keep their job, but uh, some of the premier positions, some of the things that come up, come along with staying in line uh, may not be afforded to you. Um, I think you can progress in your career, but some of the jobs probably where you need to be at won't be afforded to you because you're considered out of line. Uh, and I think, I think every person, not just chaplains, have to come up with their own philosophy. You know, I know the chaplain's core philosophy basically is to speak truth to power. And I'm not trying to be a divergent, but that's not my philosophy. Uh, my philosophy is um, not uh, speak truth uh, to, to inspire, right? And so my truth is to inspire the, the youth. My truth is, is to inspire those folks to uh, be better. And so that's why you see on my LinkedIn or Facebook is inspire until I expire. And my job is to speak truth to those uh, people uh, who don't have a voice. 
you know, the first time that I saw that, I think you had shared it. I think you shared a TikTok video on LinkedIn or, or Facebook, one of those. And I mean, I just, I loved it because it wasn't just a catchy phrase. I mean, a lot of those, a lot of those quotes and, and, and things are catchy. They rhyme, it fits, it works, but it lines up with exactly what I find myself telling people a lot. It's not the, the date of birth or the date of death. It's that dash, what you do with your life that matters. That's right. That's why I don't, I don't mind when people ask me how old I am. I don't mind saying because (laughs) I mean, it's what I do with my life that, that matters, not how old I am or am not. That's right. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. So when you, so all of this stuff that you went through, because you were field artillery, correct? Field artillery, 13 Bravo. That's right. Um, so when you're when you are enlisted and I think you were an E5, correct? Or is or E5, yes, right. So when you when here you are a sergeant, field artillery, got a couple of article 15s under your belt now. What's um like what's like how did you I mean, like if you keep things bottled up, you explode at some point. Was that what happened to you or did you just, how did that, how did that pan out for you? Well, yeah, at this time at, at, at E5, I'm trying to change my life. I'm trying to fall in line, conform, um, and be just trying to learn how to be a man. Uh, I didn't have a, a father in the home. I met him later. Uh, but I'm just trying to learn and get disciplined and uh, find something that I, I believe in. Uh, and so, yeah, I kept all that stuff bottled up. And then I, like I told you before, one day I'm in the field and I see this guy, you know, walking around with this candy basket laughing. And <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever saw in my life. Right. And I just said, God, if, 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 if there is a God at this point, because my life is a mess, I please don't have that guy come to talk to me, right? And uh, as God would have it, the chaplain comes over and he, yo, no, please, oh. no, <laughs> no, please. I don't want to talk to that guy. Uh, so, yeah, I, I he came over and he ministered to me for an hour, you know, just in a real way. I mean, he wasn't, you know, beating me over the head with scripture. He's just talking to me like a person. Uh, and that's the time when he said, you know, <laughs> I guess it was a compliment. He said, you're a very intelligent person. Why don't you become a chaplain and help people like yourself, right? Man, everything changed at that point for me. Uh, he didn't say, <laughs> he didn't say, why don't you become a holy man? He didn't say, why don't you become a sinless person to help he said, why don't you come become a chaplain to help people like yourself? And so I had never considered anything in the direction of being a chaplain. But when he said that, help people like him, I said, man, that's the job for me. That's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And so I've been doing that. And like you said, how do you nuance that uh, to keep a job? Well, the whole cha- whole job of the chaplains is to take care of soldiers. And so it's never really been a problem until now that, you know, I'm a lieutenant colonel and then I become a colonel and, you know, I'm on the internet. You're a senior leader now. Senior leaders don't act like this, right? Senior leaders kind of sit in the back and, you know, be conservative and be quiet. You know, I'm on the internet making weightlifting videos, right? And, uh, I'm doing that specifically because it's a strategic strategic imperative. Those kids are in the gym. Those kids are lifting weights. Those kids are trying to get their body right. Two things. One, Army is a fitness capital of the world, right? And then second of all, you know, all of us have this uh, want to go to the gym and do better about our lives. So people are attracted to that. And so once I can hook them with that, then I can tell my story. And once I tell my story, people say, oh, okay, he's an old dude, but he's been through what I've been through. Then they're in my inbox, right? One, it happens, you know, probably once every couple of weeks um, on TikTok, 
shared my story. And this guy, his handle is Carly's dad. And he said, I saw your video and I started not to watch it. I just started to go ahead and kill myself. I saw your video and I started, I stopped doing, I, I stopped killing myself. And so I pulled over to the side and him and I kind of cried together. And I said, man, thank God I shared that video because you are worth more than uh, putting yourself in a grave. And you know, you have a chance to do that. You have a chance to do that quite often. Um, uh, but I can tell you, <laughs> even though I'm helping people, it causes a lot of jealousy. Because um, everybody can't do what I'm doing. Uh, it takes a lot of courage. It takes a little personality, right? Um, and it takes ability to connect to people. But my story being as traumatic as it is, uh, I think that's what connects to people. Oh my gosh. Where is CENTCOM saying amen? <laughs> <laughs> no, because that, well, one, what you just said is like, is the premise of this podcast is that I don't care what anybody's background is. If you served, you have a story. You could have been a, a cook in the National Guard for two years and never deployed, or you could be a Navy right. SEAL in for 30 years. You know, you got a story and, and I want people to be able to share it because I feel like the more you share your story, the more healing there is that comes your way and provides hope for the person that's listening to it. And I was talking to a fellow po podcaster um, who retired as a Navy SEAL. And I told him that one of the questions that I ask everybody is how do you define success? And once they give me their answer, um, cause he and I were talking about success and I told, and, and exactly what you just said, having an impact on, on our sphere of influence. And I made the comment to him. I said, but look, John, we have to be able to know that our lives, our lives, our podcasts are, are whatever we're putting our hands to. We just have to believe that it is successful and we may yeah. never get that phone call like you did. So yeah. I was about to kill myself, but so it, it's just you you have to continue to push push forward because you don't know who's looking at you oh, and, yeah. but for you i think like you said everybody's looking at you That's I mean, right. because everybody's looking at you because okay we have this black chaplain he's muslim yeah. he's yeah. you know just every label that somebody wants yeah. to put on you and That's now right. to be the the highest ranking muslim chaplain in in every branch yes it's like people are going to look at you and just say, I'm waiting and I'm ready for, I'm ready and waiting for him to fall. That's I'm ready right. for him to mess up and screw up because That's when right. he does, I'm going to just chastise him <laughs> and let him know. I told you, you were wrong. I told you, you That's were messing right. up. That's right. And, and it just, oh my gosh, but there's just, and, and with all the chaplains that I've worked for, I, I can tell the difference between the person like you who says, I'm here for the soldiers, not for the meetings. That's right. Um, and then the, the and then there's the other chaplains that um, are all about you know their their number one priority is pleasing their boss <laughs> instead right. of That's taking right. care of the soldier. So it's just you know it it's it, it is a hard balance. Um, yeah, it, it it's just it's a hard balance. Um, how do you no? no not just how do you do the balance now, but with all that you went through in your past and all that you're currently going through, because it, it, even now, like I said, you're just, there's still that persecution. How do you keep your head up every day? And what is it that gets you out of bed each morning? Well, I mean, besides a bugle uh, call. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I could tell you what gets me out of bed every morning is thinking about all the stuff that all the, the messages that these people send me, right? I get some pretty nasty stuff, by the way, you know, death threats and all that kind of stuff. But the people who are out there, who when I go around TDY and say, listen, I was just at Fort Pope, took a picture with this guy. I was in, uh, uh, in the gym and he said, can I just have a moment of intimacy with you, sir? 
I said, yeah, man, what's going on? He said, I was in JBLM. I was so depressed to the point where I couldn't get out of bed and I'd watch your video, workout videos every morning. I'd watch your little quotes every morning. Uh, he said it inspired him so much that one day he got out of bed and just started going to the gym and now he feels better every day. And he comments on my stuff every day. And so when I think about people like that, who he had that going on seven years ago, I didn't know. <laughs> he decides to tell me because we both in poor poke at the same time. Um, I'm thinking to myself, who else is out there? Who else, when I want to lay my big butt in this bed and not get up, who am I going to miss today? Everywhere I go, honestly, every TDY place that I go, if somebody says, oh, my God, it's you. They want to take pictures. You know, we sit down and talk. One guy came here to CENTCOM, uh, Lieutenant Colonel, Caucasian-American, he got up, because I get up to go to the gym at 3.30 in the morning. He got up 3.30 in the morning to come in to take a picture with me. He said, because every day your videos say you're in here. I said, wow. And so after he left, because, you know, I'm a big, tough guy, I started crying. He, he'll never know that. But I started crying. How phenomenal is that? So that's what gets me up in the morning. That's awesome. Now, when it, when it comes to, I, I think more uh, on a more personal level, you're getting up, you're taking care of soldiers, you're meeting their needs, you're supporting them. Um, how, how, I mean, how to, for, for healing for yourself through everything that you've been through, how, how does that go? Is, is, is there counseling or is it, um, a matter of taking things to God, like how do, how do you address those things? Well, I mean, it's very difficult, but every time I tell my story, it heals me. Um, when I was a major, you know, I was going through a lot, um, even though I was a chaplain, just trying to be like everybody else, trying to be the model chaplain. And I got to tell you, I gained like 40 pounds. I was miserable. I was still dealing with all of this stuff. And I went to, uh, I don't know, I went to some volunteer thing with some young kids and they asked me, you know, tell your story on how you got here. And I told that story that I've now told a million times and it felt good. I mean, like it felt good to like cry and get all of that stuff out of me. And from that day, I've been telling this story. And every time I tell you, it, it, it tell it, it heals me every time because I see the transformation in people's eyes. I was just over here uh, last Friday uh, and told a bunch of medics. And I can tell you, and this is what's great about it, no, no lie. Uh, white lady came up to me, she's a Lieutenant Colonel, tears in her eyes. That story affected me so much. Black lady Lieutenant comes up to me, tears in her eyes. That's, uh, that's affected me so much and I'm walking out of the door this big husky dude he's about my size right and he says uh, can I talk to you for a second I said yeah man what's going on he said what gave you the courage to say that stuff up there I mean he said I've been die 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 all the stuff that you said besides getting shot I went through all of that stuff what gave you the courage are you not afraid they're going to look at you as less than a person so you got three different intersections, right? <laughs> three different intersections and the story hits the same to them all. You see what I'm saying? So for me, that's healing. That's me saying, wow, how, first of all, how in the hell did I survive that? And now I'm using it to heal, to help other people survive. You know, going through it, it's like, uh, I must have been in another life and pissed God off. <laughs> you know oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. What did I do to you? God, I did deserve all this stuff. 
<laughs> what are you doing to me? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, so here's here's a question. When so you're you're continuing to tell your story and it's impacting like every person that hears it. Um, for anybody, not for anybody, because everybody's gonna listen to Mister uh, the the TikTok Imam, the big Imam. Is that, <laughs> the is that big what Imam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, um, for people listening to this who maybe have been through similar things as you or something else that's just weighing them down, what do you tell that person? Well, honestly, it's it's almost a a fixed answer in the sense where you got to get up every day and do something. I mean, I go to the gym, right? Cause I'm a been trained to be a gym guy, but at the end of the day, you got to find a win every day. All right. And whatever that is. So for me, like this morning, I didn't feel like going to the gym, but I got up, I went to the gym, I sat in the sauna for 10 minutes and I came home. Right. But that's a win for me because I sat in the bed for an hour debating on whether I was going to go. And so the longer I sit in that bed, the longer I get in my head and my sinkhole. So I tell people, you got to get a win every day. I don't care if it's going to Walmart, buying your own groceries instead of somebody sending them to you. You got to get a win every day. And if you don't, man, I tell you. One of the people, I wrote a book on self-esteem and people ask me, um, how do you improve your self-esteem? Well, you, you keep promises to yourself. Yeah, you keep promises to yourself. If you say I'm going to do something, no matter how small it is, just do it. So that's, that's what I tell people. And so let me tell you something that I just, within the past couple of months, I'd say a month or two really um, realized in the army, because I remember like questioning myself in the army, you get up every day, you work out. It's, it's what you do. Yes. Um, but now if I'm not getting up and going to work out, why am I not doing it? Why did it right. seem so easy to do it in the military, but it's not now? Well, because I had to, like somebody told me you will go do this or else. That's, that's so right. I think I, you know, and I realized that's where, it, like the, the Simon Sinek, you know, know your knowing your why or finding your why. You have to find that thing that um, that motivates you to say, "I'm going to go to the gym," not because yeah. somebody told me to, but because because I want to look better, or I want to be healthier, or I want to yeah. lose weight, get me- whatever it is. And yeah. and sometimes when you, because this is something for me that I've I've struggled with. When it comes to depression, sometimes if all I do is get up, take a shower, put clothes on, yeah. I did something today. That's right. And it, it, and I have to you know count the wins, count the gains, instead of saying, yeah, but there was like 23 more hours in the day. You'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah you'll get there because at the end of the day, it's an amazing human flaw that somebody can order us to do something every day you'll dread you'll dread it but you'll do it because they have some type of importance in your life it's amazing we don't take the same type of attitude and think of ourselves as important and say i'm going to do this for myself every day and i'm going to order myself to do it isn't that like counterintuitive right so we're putting all our self-worth and self-actualization in somebody else because we think that they are uh, better in some way or they have some authority over our lives. But the only people that have authority over your life, obviously, is you. And so, like you said, I love that. Get up, take a shower, put on my clothes. I win. Even if I sleep for the next 23 hours, I did something for myself. And that has been my mentality, really, for the last 15 years. I'm going to get up. I got to do something. Have to. Because it's so, I mean, it's so easy to go in that black hole, right? I mean, it's so easy. And people, you know, I don't know where I, I don't know where I was. But somebody was asking me, and they say, yeah, but you accomplished all of this and all of that. I said, you're missing the point. That has nothing to do with anything. 
I gotta I gotta repeat that over and over and over again as I was I was sinking the hole and people were like oh my god he had it all why did he kill himself well that's why you know we get so confused and I think it's not only in the military but especially in the military we size each other up within like ten seconds because we look at it, at the uniform and we formulate an opinion based on what we see on that person's uniform but really who you are and what you've accomplished two different things it's not the same thing yeah totally totally because, different. i mean I, I retired coming up on four years ago so guess what i am not an army soldier i was right so yes i serve but i'm not a soldier anymore right that's just something that i did for a couple of years that's right a couple that's 24 right. <laughs> <laughs> right. but I mean, yeah, it is what it is. So I think I think we've got to find ourselves in a place where we can realize and and I know this is this is something for me that I'm working on because before I joined the military, I didn't have an identity. I didn't know who I was. I turned 20 during basic training and for the next 24 years, I'm who Uncle Sam says I am. That's right. And so now it's like I'm a little 4-year-old or a 24-year-old right. trying to figure out like so who am I? What am I about? And, and trying things and it'll work, trying things that don't work, but at least That's I tried it. Yeah, of course. I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, your purpose is what you try. You know, people find their purpose through struggle. You know, people are waiting on this osmosis for God to say, purpose, purpose. No, it, don't, <laughs> it don't work like that. Usually what? is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it's usually no in your dire times and your bottomless thought. My God, it wouldn't let me eat him on that. That's what I'm saying. Somebody's more than one. Somebody's got to hear your story because <laughs> all that stuff. Too much. Yeah, too much. Was it identity that we were talking about? Yeah, identity. You said you came in. Now you had to. Uh, oh yeah. Have, yeah. Yeah. So you know. So now, now that you know, I'll be 48 this month. Uh, some people work night shift. I, I didn't work night shift. um so you know i'm in that process of you know figuring out who i am and what my identity is as opposed to the work that i do and i had a conversation with a family member recently who um, lives in the work and accomplishments that she had accomplished but those are in the past and it was her place of employment yeah. it's not her identity that's right but what do i yes. know some of those things um intersect so much that when people lose that they have no idea who they are and that's where like the imposter syndrome comes in at uh, you think that you are really tied to, like, like for me, uh, <laughs> it may sound strange, but I will not be a chaplain when I leave the military. I didn't come into this stage of my life really to be a chaplain. I came in to be a chaplain to help people. So it wasn't that this overwhelming need to preach to people and, you know, be in the pulpit and go around converting people to what God said. Uh, my purpose really was to convert people to what God said, like in the sense of get off your backside, be better than you are, live your life to the fullest. I don't care what you believe. You know, my job uh, for me is when people leave me, they become stronger. You know, and so it's a lot of people. I give you, I give you, I give you a story. We're in Arsene. And this guy comes down and you can tell, I mean, he is uptight. I mean, he's, he's uptight. I mean, he, you can tell he is uptight. 
And uh, I said, hey, man, how you doing? You know me, I'm a big teddy bear and I hug him. And uh, it kind of, it didn't relax him, but it kind of put his guard down. So we talking and we have this hour and a half conversation. And he said, okay, hey, so glad to meet you. A week and a half later, uh, he comes back. This is what I love about being me and what the work I'm doing. He said, can I, can I close the door? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he is like tearing up. He said, I knew you had been in arson for about seven months. Didn't really want to talk to you. People were saying all kind of bad stuff, you know, about your religion and you're an insurgent and you're planted here to take us down. And he said, I wasted seven months of not being, not knowing a good person like you. He said, you're genuine. You have no agenda. You're not trying to convert me. He said, I've wasted seven months of not knowing you. He said, I hope and pray two things that you'll forgive me. And second of all, we could be friends the rest of our lives. You see? And so for me, my point to that is I can do that anywhere. I don't need the chaplaincy to do that. I can do that out of uniform. So uh, for me, I'll just continue just trying to be a good person and, and, and taking care of people. Okay, um, there is a book that I read, and it's not it's not a big book, and it's not a well known author, but it was called the Coffee House Gospel, mm. and it really impacted me. The point of the book is what that guy just said about you. Mm. Um, I think it's so easy to preach at people and yes. throw the book at people, whichever book you know, throw the book at people and say, you've got to change. You're not living right. And just go on and on and on. And we end up pushing people away because of that condemnation and judgment that we're trying to pass on somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if we, if we can just, instead of saying i'm christian i'm muslim i'm whatever live it and if you live it then somebody's going to ask you hallelujah <laughs> hallelujah here, here comes centcom hey <laughs> <laughs> let centcom say amen yeah because it was called the coffee house gospel because it's like it, it, it started off with basic the premise being the coffee the a coffee shop is the one place that you can go and you can talk about music, religion, and politics and not worry about it. Because when you get up, those topics are, are left there on the table. Beautiful. But yeah. we need to be Beautiful. like that everywhere. But well, I reason, think we can. We're just carrying around this proverbial insecurity that if you don't believe what I believe, first of all, you're going to hell and you're condemned because you hadn't found the light yet. I mean, right? I mean, how arrogant is that? I mean, we're limited human beings, right? Mm -hmm. I hope what I believe is the truth. And listen, I'm, I gotta be honest, I hope. I studied what other men have wrote, written. I've studied the history of what other men, other men have given me, right? It sits right with me, but it doesn't mean that I'm right. And so when people come up with this audacity to say I'm 100% right. Hey, God bless you, brother. Because I don't think you're being 100% uh, authentic. Because the only person that knows if you're right or wrong is God. And so I never take that attitude into a conversation and tell people that I know that I'm right. No, it's working for me, right? And if you want to talk about it, that's fine. But I prefer not to. <laughs> Honestly, I prefer not to. Let's just connect on a human level. Let's find out how I can help you get to wherever you need to go. And so a lot of people don't come and talk to me because of my religion. I think they miss a huge opportunity uh, for whatever resources I have for them. So that Chaplain Williams that I was telling you about, that's exactly what you're talking about is exactly what he did that impacted me. Obviously, you know, 
He's a chaplain. Got the cross on his collar. He, somewhere near the beginning of us working together, he said, are you a Christian? And I said, yes. Have you been baptized? Yes. How old are you? Well, I grew up Lutheran as well, like you did. Right. So I was like, um, let's see, born in February, July, like four months, five months, when I was five months old. <laughs> All right. Well, what about communion? Yeah, when I was 12 years old. <laughs> yeah, and, right. Um, why why those ages because that's how we do it in the lutheran church that's right um well what does it mean and and he and so that was that one conversation was all there was when it came to a religion religious conversation he asked me questions and the year the year and a half that we worked together he just lived what he believed yeah that's right and that was it and and that really impacted my life right and I don't think we realize how much our actions speak louder than our words. Oh, yeah. People are weighing mm-hmm. all the time. I have a, a title um, that I use all around the Army. Uh, when, I, when I go and speech, when I go and speak, your life is a sermon. Be careful how you preach it. That's it. Your leadership is a sermon. Be careful how you preach. So I, I do the words inter- interchangeably. What I find is quite funny, man. I tell you, and it probably keeps me on the outside. You know, these people who profess things, right? And they're in leadership positions. How can you be biased? I, I don't understand that. I, I know my wife says I'm a little naive, but when I, when I, when I think about the profession uh, of belief in my head, and I look at two people, Christian and Muslim, and I say to myself, well, that Christian don't believe what I believe. I, I probably don't want them to work for me. I mean, that is some sheer foolishness. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, you know, yeah. the Muslim hadn't had a chance. So even though he's unqualified, I'm going to hire him. I mean, that's pure foolishness, right? And so yeah. what I what I found is I, I talk to people and people call me offline because they hear all kind of conversations, you know, about me, right? <laughs> right? And it says, you know, how is it going to look? You know, he's Muslim. And, this, and I'm saying to myself, I've been doing this for 28 years. If you don't know who I am by now, you're just really being a pure biased person. Because it's not about my personality, because I can get along with anybody. I I can talk to this coffee pot for the next hour and we'll become (laughs) great friends, right? Mm -hmm. But so a person who doesn't put me in certain positions, I mean, it's just pure bias. Tragedy. It's just a tragedy. So I never worry about it. Let me not say that. (laughs) I I try not to grieve too much over it. I just try to do my work. It's been a couple of times I've really had some tough times and I broke down and I'm like, I don't understand it. I I just don't understand it. And my wife would tell me, she said, she said, call it all you've been through in your life. Don't be naive. But when a person for me professes something, I, I, I don't understand the cognitive dissonance and I, I don't have any respect for that person. You know, you and I, we, we, we must've both just got off and came back or something. <laughs> Cause I'm right. I'm, you know, I'm right there with you. I, I, I'm, I am like that too. One of the things that um, my family has said about me, even before the military, I have always been a no holds bar. I don't sugarcoat anything. I just say it like it is. Yeah. And the part of that that I've had to curb is the is the sharpness of the, um, and the sarcasm part of it, because I would be I would be sarcastic on top of that. Right. But. I, I'm with you. If you said this. Then why are you doing that? Yeah. The, your words and your actions are not matching up. So where's the disconnect? Either you misspoke about what you believe or you just don't care about what you believe anymore? Like what's. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, 
especially the type of profession that we're in, mm-hmm. we're supposed to be doing the best for the soldiers, right? And excuse my arrogance here. You know, soldiers love me because they know I'm authentic and I love them. And so what right do you have as a leader to say, okay, well, because of his faith, we're not going to put him in this position um, because of how the soldiers may feel. Well, we know that's not true because I I haven't been a place, and maybe I'm naive, that people hadn't loved me. Because, you know, there's no pretense. There's no agenda. I just take care of people because that's what my mom taught me. Right. And that's who I am. So when I when I am in these places, I tell you, I got it's it's so disheartening. And that's why it's tough to get out of bed in the morning sometimes. But I got to realize who my audience is and they are not my audience. Yeah, you know, so I I spent the bulk of bulk of my life. The only emotions that you would really see would either be anger, anger or humor and um when i finally tore walls down and allowed myself to be and i remember sitting down one day with a journal and just and even wrote it down okay as of today i am going to be my genuine self i'm going to be authentically me i don't fully know what that looks like but i'm going to be myself And I know that as I do that, I'm going to be opening myself up to get hurt. Of course. But I'm going to try it out. And I will tell you today, man, have I been hurt. But the good relationships that have come out of it because I've been authentic and genuine makes the pain from the other people well worth it. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have made those connections. And and here's something to consider. At least you got hurt instead of the imposter that you were playing at. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So when you when you authentic with yourself, you'll know that those people genuinely like you uh, who are in your life right now. You know, I have people, not a lot of people, which is good in my life right now that I can trust who understand that, hey, Khaled does not like to be mocked. Khaled does not like to be criticized unfairly. Khaled does not like people to put him down, right? Because I've had conversations with people, hey, I got a certain level of trauma. You can't just come to me and start putting me down. You're going to get a raft that you you didn't think you were going to get. And so those, when those people in your life understand that, then they treat you accordingly instead of some Yahoo somewhere who says, oh, well, me and Tiffany had a couple of conversations. Hey, Tiffany, um, I think you're doing this bad in your life. You don't have the right to tell me that. I didn't, I didn't give you permission to just start being negative with me. And so when I tell people in my authentic self, back to your point, hey, I really don't like being criticized like that. I really don't like being put down. And if you're going to maintain a place in my life, don't do that again. So now that person has a choice. And if you continue to do that, then I'm just going to get you out of my life. And that's authenticity. Yeah. And there's a difference between providing constructive criticism versus just condemning and critiquing. For sure. There's one episode one episode for the podcast <clears throat> during the first season it was uh she was an air force pilot and i published her episode sent her the link to it and then a couple days later maybe a day or two later she sent me a message on link on linkedin and said hey tiffany at this particular mark there's like a 20 second gap of just nothing no music no talking nothing just a gap and I said, and I, so I replied back and said, thanks for letting me know. I'm going to take it down, fix it and put it back up. And I fixed it, put it and you know, put it back up and sent her the link again and said, hey, it's good to go now. Thanks again for letting me know. And 
later on, she had said that she was very impressed at my response to, to her. Yes. And I said, I said, why? And she said, because most people would have gotten offended yes. if, 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 if I said to them what I said to you. And I said, hey, I made a mistake. I didn't realize I made that mistake. You let me know I made that mistake. Yeah. I fixed it. And had you not said anything to me, it would still be broken. It would still be messed up. Yeah. So I think there's, you know, we have to be willing to receive the constructive criticism. And if somebody comes at you, like, you know, with that condemnation, you have to be able to say, yeah, that, that's your problem, not mine. Have a good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, she, and she was had enough emotional intelligence that didn't just come and say, you know what? You messed up my podcast. It's trash. You got 20 seconds. Come on. You got to treat people with respect and then you get back respect. You know, that's mm -hmm. how people sometimes meet your, your, your energy with the kind of energy you gave them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and that's what I loved and uh, loved about, about that because I mean, I think what made it so easy to receive it is one, I, I didn't pick up on any negative tones in the right. messaging. That's right. That's and right. I know absolutely nothing about podcasting except what I'm learning as I go along. Right. So if you notice something that I do wrong, let me know. Yeah, I, 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 I tell you, for me, I, I went down, I tell you, I do LPD. Uh -oh. <laughs> and I intentionally, I don't misspell words, but I different font and I don't put things, you know, dress right dress because i know how military military people are right and so before i start talking i let them look at the slide and you can see the disgust in their faces right and so when i start talking i say i'm glad you guys looked at that slide that slide was done like that intentionally you do not have to be perfect in your life you do not have to be perfect. I did that intentionally because I know all of you guys were sitting there criticizing. Get over yourselves. Let's get to the content of what we're trying to do. And then we can all be better. And you can see them almost, some of them, not all of them. <laughs> so, exhale. Like, okay, this guy's not an idiot. See, we have a problem with categorizing people because of their mistakes. This is a huge flaw. Like we, we already know we're not perfect, but we expect people to be perfect. That's it. That's it's crazy. Mm -hmm. So, and, well, so I, I think it's the twofold. One, why do we criticize people so much um, when they're they make a little mistake, like they forgot to put a, a period at the end of a sentence, or for ourselves? Why do we find ourselves striving for, for perfection instead of just excellence? Yeah, because I think I think both are attached to ego. Right? They make us feel good. Um, had a situation with my granddaughter, and I, I use this method with my kids too. But uh, obviously, she forgot the lesson. Uh, so my granddaughter comes in. She got seven grades, eight A's, and a C. And my daughter is beriding her. I cannot believe you got to see. You did. You got to do better. You this and that. And uh, my grandbaby's crying. Got tears in her eyes. And after my daughter leaves, because I'm not going to usurp her authority, I said, sweetheart, man, what an exceptional job you did. You got six A's. I'm going to give you $10 for each A, da, 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 da. And she says she calls me Abu, uh, which is in Arabic means father of them all. Um, she says, Abu, but I got to see. I say, well, we're, we don't want you to be perfect, little baby. We want you to do your best. And my daughter was listening. And so she went on Facebook and said, my God, I'm still learning how to be a mother. Because we can't tie self-esteem to perfection this is why all of us are depressed this is why all of us are struggling because we're tying self-esteem to our weight 
we're tying self-esteem to what we do uh, at the job. We're tying self-esteem if the boss says something to me bad. I tell you, man, and my staff, I, I feel bad for them. Because I obviously I have to do briefings and slides and all this kind of stuff. And, and I always tell them, hey, listen, um, what's, the, what's the grade scale in college? They say, you need a B to pass. I say, I want this briefing to be at least a B standard. Hey, but chap, we work this. I say, I'm not telling you you can't have it to A standard. But it's got to be to at least a B standard. I am not trying to be, per that's too much pressure. I don't have to be number one. Everybody wants to be number one. I don't have to be number one. Right. Been there, done that. Too much pressure. This is why people are on drugs. This is why people are depressed. This is why people are killing themselves. I don't have to have a six pack. And some soldiers in the gym say, chap, you in the gym twice a day. You ain't got a six pack. I say, look really? at these guns. I got these guns. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Why do you go immediately to my area of deficits? Because mm -hmm. that makes you feel good because you got a six pack. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I say, you know, why did you go to my area of deficits? And then second of all, I said, <laughs> I said, what's your educational level? I said, oh. don't fail <laughs> me. Because it doesn't matter because I probably got more education than you, but I would never come to you and say, why don't you have my level of education? And he's looking at me like, we do, we do. It's true. I mean, and, and there's that, you know, along with the imposter syndrome, that comparison gap, like we, we measure ourselves, not our own selves, not on the ability that we have and how much of it we fulfill. We measure our success or worth based upon other people's opinions. So we hold and regard other people's opinions much higher than we need to. Oh, and, yeah. if, and if somebody says that I'm, I'm a piece of trash, well, then I must be a piece of trash. I don't get it. I mean, I, I got it before I was 41 because um, I held everybody's uh, opinion so highly of me. But uh, now, well, I'm 54 now, but you know, I started to, I started to, I coined a phrase, what other people think about you ain't none of your business. You know, because I was just living on these people's opinions and I couldn't move. I was paralyzed. Mm -hmm. And I, real, I started to realize, <laughs> like these people who are criticizing me are not perfect. <laughs> they're nowhere close to perfect and so i said to myself man i really i really got to start focusing on me what i believe so i went back i wish most people don't do i studied myself and when i that's why i wrote the book on self-esteem I, I needed to know what made me tick what made me sad what made me angry what made me go off course and so if I compiled this information, it, it was over a two and a half, three year period. All of those people or those things in my life that didn't make me feel a certain way, I got away from them. Mm -hmm. It's just a fact. And people have been telling you this all your life. You're the sum total of the five people you hang around. Well, we don't listen to that. Mm -hmm. Somehow we bring negative boyfriends in our life, negative girlfriends in our life, negative friends in our life. Because somehow it makes us feel good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing good unless I'm being beat up by somebody I'm close to. <laughs> Insane. Insane. I got about I got about five minutes. I got a, I got another place All I right. gotta connect to. So I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. But I'll just say, you know, the thing about that that I love is the um it's so freeing. Again, even though I don't fully <clears throat> fully know who I am and like what what I'm all about. Yeah. It's so freeing to say, oh well, you know, I, sure I made a mistake. Just just like with the link with trying to do this live. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I screwed it up. My bad. I mean, I'm not losing sleep over it. I just know next yeah. time I need to make sure I <laughs> do right. some stuff ahead of time. That's right. Did you see did you see any angst on my part? I was like, mm -mm. okay. <laughs> no. And that's what I just, yeah, I'm with you. Um I'm you know, like you, I, I'm not naive I'm not naive. Yeah. But to me, it just it's some of this stuff just seems so easy, plain, and simple. And then we overcomplicate things 
and then get all caught up in just a bunch of mess. But yeah, what do I right. know? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I never claimed to be the sharpest tool in the shed. Shoot, I'm not even in the shed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you doing this. I really do. I love oh, this kind thank of conversation. You. No, thank and you I, so much. I'm sure that I'm sure that people are going to be like, yeah, my 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 I'm gonna get the numbers for this episode is gonna go through the roof because they're gonna be like, ah, oh, the TikTok chaplain. <laughs> is that what is the other thing that is it called? Is it the big imam? Yeah, I, I use yeah, the big imam, you know, uh, and a Muslim pastor is really called an imam. Mm -hmm. And so obviously I put a big on big on there because I'm a big dude, but it's just, you know, it's one of the hashtag, like, people need little things. And so I put Biggie Mom on there. So, yeah, yeah. but I really appreciate it. I hope uh, that it helps somebody. And uh, always good talking to you. Really. Me too. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, again, like that first chaplain that I worked with, you're six foot something. <laughs> right. Broad. Yeah. Man, I am five foot nothing standing up as tall as i can be I'm, only five <laughs> feet and I'm five feet nothing and people would hey. ask me with that with chaplain williams no stand in front of him now if you're <laughs> if he can't carry a weapon and you can they shoot at him they're either going to hit your cavalry or his heart so like what good are you doing <laughs> i had a chaplain assistant like you no, melanie i used to tell him i put her on top of my shoulders to shoot the enemy <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Okay, see you later. Bye-bye. All right, have a good rest of the day. Thank you, and have a nice day.